0: Omara who's with the National Wildlife Federation, about the devastating impact of the ethanol mandate on wildlife habitat. Uh, coming up on KBU this morning at 11 o'clock, Disability Awareness presents Health Action 2017 and reports on Mumia Abu-Jamal's recent court victory to gain health treatment. Uh, At 11.30, Voices for the Animal Speaks with legendary consumer advocate and author Ralph Nader about his new book, Animal Envy. And uh, I want to say that my engineer is Derek Crooks. Thanks, Derek. Uh, We're going to go out with some music by Farron. This is music we used to play a lot during the George W. Bush time, and we'll be playing it again. I'm Barbara Bernstein. Thanks for listening. They said some men would be warriors, and some men would be kings, and some men would be owners of land and other man made things. And false love as the eternal flame would move, some doubt thinking rings, and gold would be our power, and other. Dream of Liberty Must not yourselves be
1: fooled Good morning, honey You old gloomy sight
2: Good morning Capo Community Radio is a proud sponsor of the Real Cool film series at the Clinton Street Theater. The film this month is Lady Sings the Blues showing Monday, January 23rd at 7 p.m. Diana Ross portrays jazz singer Billie Holiday in this biographical drama. The film depicts her early attempts at a singing career and her eventual rise to stardom, as well as her difficult relationships and drug addiction. Again, that's Lady Sings the Blues, Monday, January 23rd at 7 p.m. at the Clinton Street Theater, 2522 Southeast Clinton Street in Portland. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right-hand side of the homepage under Community Events. Is that come again. Never you forget the trust in
0: my and never you forget that heavy days coming... This is Bob Letterer for Health Action. In a few minutes, I'll bring you a recent talk about the current health situation in Vieques, Puerto Rico, 13 years after the U.S. Navy was forced by a large grassroots movement to withdraw from its base there, leaving behind enormous environmental damage. But first, an update on a story we've been following here on Health Action. The struggle of political prisoner Mumia Abu-Jamal to obtain the FDA-approved drug for his hepatitis C infection, which nearly killed him in 2015. Mumia has won a significant victory in federal court where on January 3rd, Judge Robert Mariani granted Mumia's motion to order the Pennsylvania Department of Corrections to provide him with treatment within three weeks. I'll let Mumia himself tell the story in one of his many radio commentaries recorded over the phone from Mahanoy Correction Institute in Frackville, Pennsylvania on the day after the court ruling.
1: Hepatitis gets a knockout punch. Just a few hours ago, I placed a call to my civil lawyer, Brett Grote, of the Pittsburgh-based Abolitionist Law Center. I could hear the excitement in his voice. Then he told me that we had won the Abu Jamal versus Wetzel case. And the judge, Judge Robert Mariani, granted our motion for a preliminary injunction, ordering healthcare staff to cease their unconstitutional protocol and begin treatment of my hepatitis infection with direct acting antiviral medications. It was good to hear and good to win. I thought of the good hard work by Brett and attorney Bob Boyle. I thought of the many people who filled the courtroom because of the organizing prowess of Sister Pam Africa, Dr. Suzanne Ross, Dr. Johanna Fernandez, and others who made it happen. I thought of Dr. Joseph Harris, MD, who as an expert witness, hushed the courtroom by his medical explanations, which made scientific arguments so clear that anyone could understand it. And I thought of thousands of prisoners in Pennsylvania suffering from the ravages of hepatitis C, and now who have hope. I thought of the prisoners who suffered from hepatitis C and died from this infection, as their liver failed to function. They did not live long enough to see this day. From Imprisoned Nation, this is Mumia Abu Jamal.
0: But not surprisingly, the Pennsylvania Department of Corrections was not willing to accept this rebuke, so, in short order, they filed an appeal. Here's Mumia's commentary from January 18th about this latest action
1: The DOC appeals. Several days ago, the Pennsylvania Department of Corrections appealed from the January 3rd ruling. Granting an injunction against their so called protocol covering hepatitis treatment, or should I say, lack of treatment. The state waited almost 10 days to file an appeal stating they didn't have the time needed to obey a court order that gave them two weeks or 14 days to begin the process. They also ignored the court's order that the DOC was enjoined from using its protocol. They continue to use it as if no court order was ever issued. If that ain't contempt of court, I mean, what could it be called? The state violates constitutional rights daily because it can. What's another court order? To them, it ain't worth the paper it's printed on. From the very beginning, the DOC has spit in the eye of the judge. they filed false documents. They've made misleading claims. They tried to intimidate him. Why should they now be any different? And yet, the battle goes on to save the lives of thousands of prisoners in Pennsylvania dungeons. Like this prisoner, Mumia Abu Jamal. These commentaries are recorded by Noel Hanrahan of Prison Radio.
0: Here at Health Action, we will continue to cover this important public health issue with huge implications for all of the estimated 7,000 incarcerated people with hepatitis C in Pennsylvania. Now on to the issue of contaminated former Navy land in Vieques, the island which is just east of, but part of, Puerto Rico. During World War II, the U.S. Navy moved in and seized two-thirds of the land on this picturesque island, driving out local farmers and fishermen. For the next 60 years, the Navy used its seized land as bombing target practice, creating a constant hazard that led to several deaths and many injuries of local residents and creating an environmental nightmare. After yet another death in 1999, citizens of Vieques and the main island of Puerto Rico rose up, formed a powerful protest movement, including occupation camps on Navy land that stayed for months, and committed civil disobedience, resulting in many arrests, as well as a worldwide publicity and support effort. Finally, in 2003, the Bush administration gave in to this relentless pressure campaign and announced not only that the Navy was leaving, but that it would decontaminate the land it had fouled, which was another demand of the movement. Last month, producer John Riley and I were in Vieques and we visited Radio Vieques, a new station affiliated with the Pacifica network. When we arrived, the station's founder and director, Roberto Rabin, who has also been an important leader in the movement against the Navy and for decontamination, was speaking with a group of visiting college students from Pennsylvania. Among other things, he spoke of his own struggle with cancer, a common occurrence on an island with a 30% higher cancer rate than on the main island of Puerto Rico. Here are some of Roberto Rubin's remarks, including answers to questions from John Riley and the visiting teacher from Pennsylvania.
3: So let me, um, let me tell you a little more about Radio Vieques, all right, so you guys know. You can listen to this in Pennsylvania. It's on, it's on the internet, radiovieques.net. Uh, We're streaming 24-7, and it is a community radio station. It grew out of the struggle here, this peace and justice struggle to stop U.S. Navy bombing. And, you know, conscious of the importance of of communications, and, and, you know, we gained gained this consciousness through the struggle itself. Radio was an important part of our movement to stop the bombing. So we we knew that it was also important in the post-bombing processes to get the land cleaned up, to get the land back into the hands of the people of Vieques to push for health issues to put services for health compensation for people who are sick people who died from military toxics and to help push for a good sustainable community based economic development project so the radio station again was sort of a, was the second phase of the post bombing phase of the struggle for peace and justice in Vieques so the, the people who participate, I mean, it's a, it really is a community station. None of us have any real radio training or formal radio training in the process. And people are activists in the movement here, you know, uh, people who are... like like Andres, he does film, he's an artist. We have people who have a a machine, the machine shop. The owner of Vieques Machine Shop is the president of the board of directors. Uh, Nilda Medina, who's a retired science teacher, is on the board. Uh, Mirna Pagan, an an artist activist, is on the board of directors. Carmen Valencia from the Vieques Women's Alliance is part of the board of directors, among, among others. There are people from... Culebra and and the main island of Puerto Rico also on the board of directors because the project is a regional project and uh, so the, the the radio station looks to. Improve uh, quality of life basically that's sort of the the basic mission and it's a you know we're dedicated to giving voice to people who generally don't have voice on commercial radio and you can see some of the pictures on the walls here kids from the the elementary schools intermediate school high school who come in often here on our weekly uh, daily program monday through friday seven to nine kids from the judo club from the municipal band Uh, different school projects people come in and we have people dealing with the issues of environment here the again military toxics health related issues economic development issues the maritime transport issue which is a really serious issue uh, for for our communities you know we see the radio vehicles as an important tool in in this process of again pushing for a a, a better a better world
1: 13 years (coughs) later what would you say has been your greatest Accomplishment
2: in these 13 years, and what still needs to be done? Uh, 13
3: years later, you referred to 13 years after the bombing was stopped. The victory, I think it's important to say this also that this small community was able to gain the support of the entire Puerto Rican nation across ideological. Boards. I mean, the, every political party, left and right and center, and as I mentioned before, the bishops of every single church uh, in Puerto Rico got together and created the Ecumenical Council for Peace on Villegas. Marches with 100,000 people and more took place in San Juan, at different moments, thousands of people arrested, and more than a million people participated in different ways between 99 and 2003 directly, and probably another million or two indirectly in the process. And without firing a single shot based on the love for this place uh, by people in Vieques, people of, of Vieques, and, and the solidarity that people from the rest of the Puerto Rican nation feel for Vieques, uh, this small community had the power to defeat without firing a single shot the most powerful military force in the history of humanity. So this is a very special place. And that victory itself is a great thing, but certainly there's much more. We, we said, you know, we, we, we said even in the middle of this struggle to stop the bombing that peace is much more than the cessation of bombing. We have not been good, uh, we have not been as effective in the other struggles uh, for decontamination, devolution or return of the lands and for economic development. Uh, Most of the lands the Navy controlled are still under the control of the federal government, the Interior Department, and the Fish and Wildlife Service. The cleanup process is is still ongoing. There are still thousands of unexploded bombs in in the beaches, in the lagoons, in the waters off the eastern coast of Vieques. There's been no real attention given to the serious health crisis provoked by military contaminants, military toxics. There's certainly been efforts, but it's not been as easy to get people t- to rally around and, and support and create the strategies to work on these other issues as it was to deal with this very clear enemy that was the, these people that are dropping bombs on Vieques. So it is, it's a more much more difficult process. We've not been as successful. And in a sense, I guess that's why something like Radio Vieques is, is so important because there is a lot more to be done and we, we need to continuously work on this process of education, consciousness raising, particularly among younger generations who don't really know what's happening. The schools don't talk about the issue and the struggle. This you know, this is a topic that should be a point of great pride for the people of Vieques, something that should be discussed in every class of Vieques, I think, and there's still, there is a, a self-repression around this issue because even though we stopped the bombing, even though we got them out, Vieques is part of Puerto Rico, and Puerto Rico is a U.S. colony. And in a colony, you can't really, you know, colony means a place that's not free. And and and, and one of those freedom limitations is what you can say, or, or the, at least what you think or feel you should say. Uh, so it's a people's sort of self, uh, uh, you know, impose upon themselves this, these restrictions and repressions so people don't talk about the the issue and it's a you know for, for me it's a very sad uh, reality because young people of Yemen are losing an opportunity to feel those the strength and power and uh, orgullo pride uh, you know and having been part of this wonderful process so, yeah and i'm,
1: I'm trying to like my mind connecting that to the the
2: diaspora idea and the fact that we've got so many um, young Puerto Rican people who are kind of giving up on the island and going off to the mainland instead of staying here. Is that, is that the type of thing that's happening with young people in Vieques as well? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah,
3: but without a doubt. Vieques, you know, Puerto Rico has uh, had, over the last 10 years or so, hundreds of thousands of people have left Puerto Rico because of the economic crisis. And so Vieques is a microcosm of Puerto Rico. So we've got this enormous outpouring of people from Puerto Rico. We have the same thing happens in Vieques, particularly a place, again, where the economy uh, is not controlled by the local population. It's not an economy that's based upon the needs of the local population. Uh, so uh, people who go to school, people who from Vieques who go to university, don't generally come back. Or if they leave to get a job, they again generally don't come back because of the difficulties of life here without a hospital uh without good maritime transport between here and the main island uh where th- everything is more expensive it's like 20% higher prices here and everything uh than compared to Puerto Rico where prices are much higher than in the in the United States so yes it's a it's a serious problem of brain drain a youth drain so Vieques is demographically as a you know very high percentage of older people and younger people young people People of, you know, working age people, uh, 20 to 50 or so, are, are beginning to leave more and more. Uh, Vieques also, you know, suffers a lot of those same, uh, a lot of inner city problems. So in, a, in, a, in a sense, Vieques, in the school systems and in our society in general, Vieques has a lot of those inner city problems you might see in places like New York. Uh, you know, Vieques has one of the highest. Um, broken family rates in all of Puerto Rico. Uh, Some of the highest uh, youth adolescent drug and alcohol use in all of Puerto Rico. Uh, The highest teen pregnancy rates in Puerto Rico. Over the past 10 years, there were about 50 murders in Vieques, all 95% of them related to drug trafficking. A large number of young people uh, looking for that uh, you know, to, to plug into that underground, not so underground, really, economy. And to do that, you have to have weapons. And uh, so there are a lot of weapons, a lot of young uh, men with with weapons and, p- and killing themselves. Uh, and again, this is not not different from where we have that same type of drug-related violence or teen violence in, in many other places in the world. you got got an economy that doesn't function, a school system that doesn't serve the needs of, of youth. People are going to go into... Uh, bad ways and and end up either in jail
2: or dead or both. Just as a follow-up on the question of the toxic nature of the U.S. military presence here, uh, my understanding is that Vieques was kind of used as a staging ground in order to test weapons like Agent Orange which is the defoliant and carcinogenic as well as depleted uranium bombs which are made of uranium and have low-level radiation And that the cancer rate is like 30% higher than on the mainland. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that and like the status of digging up these munitions? And I've heard that one area was kind of a sacrifice area that they don't ever intend to decontaminate. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, Vieques was uh, used for... Experimentation with lots of different weapons, without a doubt. We have lots of evidence about napalm. Large amounts of napalm dropped here in the in the sixties and seventies. <clears throat> Even in the eighties, uh, uh, there was old napalm lying around, and they decided to drop it here in military maneuvers. Actually, it was nineteen ninety one, ninety two, in maneuvers. And and the depleted uranium issue is one of the most troubling. Uh, although, you know, the um, regular. Weapons with, you know, TNT and RDX and a large, you know, long list of heavy metals that make up, you know, just general weapons to general explosives are cancer-causing agents. You know, something like depleted uranium is is obviously a, a real scary thought for us because the, the military only admitted to having used depleted uranium here when we put forth the Freedom of Information Act request and so they they had to admit it, but they said, "Oh yeah, it was only one time though, and it was by accident. Uh, uh, the uh, pilot put the wrong munitions on the wrong plane and brought it to, flew it to the wrong island and dropped it. And but they realized right away, so they only dropped 260 rounds of depleted uranium. And this was the navy's response. I mean, I mean, I, I, it's." kind of an insulting lie of a response. So we fear that Vieques was used for decades to test depleted uranium because it was in the Balkans when the U.S. military and NATO was involved in the Balkans wars in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, when depleted uranium was first being used and talked about publicly by military, so NATO and, and U.S. forces. And Vieques was the place for NATO training and U.S. training, as well as the first Gulf War. We know that enormous amounts of depleted uranium, I think for most people in the United States, the first time they ever heard about depleted uranium weapons was in that first Gulf War. Vieques does have, uh, the the Health Department of Puerto Rico put out statistics uh, several years ago indicating that Vieques had about a 30% higher cancer case rate than compared to the rest of Puerto Rico, as well as exaggerated rates of many other illnesses that have relationship to environmental Uh, Causes. So there are many, many, too many people in Vieques uh, who are cancer patients. And I can, you know, give my own testimony as a a cancer patient as well, that to live on a place like Vieques that has no hospital, that has a maritime transport service where you have to go. I can remember my first, uh, you know, I, I had a large, you know, 14 centimeter cancerous malignant aggressive tumor taken out of my abdomen. About four years ago, and and in that process, I had to go on the ferry, and the ferry would be one hour late, two hours late, three hours late. Uh, I remember it was I think it was January or February, and it was you know I'm, I had this thing in right? me. I was like probably got pregnant with this baby, right? And I can remember one day, you know, I, I, one evening after having my test in San Juan, I had to take the ferry in the morning, uh, drive up to San Juan, have my test done. I think it was. Uh, pre-admission stuff I was doing, and then come back on the ferry in the evening, and I got back to the town of Fajardo where the you know the the ferry comes in from Vieques, and uh, for the 4:30 ferry it didn't leave on time, and by five o'clock I was a little nervous it didn't leave on time. It finally left around eight o'clock or eight thirty, and when I finally got to Vieques they I had to they they had to take me to the emergency room here. I'd become dehydrated and I'm you know just sort of freaking out. You know, everything was fine after that, and I had my operation, and I'm now in this continuous chemotherapy process uh, still. Uh, and so to go and have tests, I mean, I'm gonna go in January, and I'm a little concerned now, because I know I gotta get on that ferry, and I'm a little, you know, freaked, because it's, uh, this is a difficult time of the year. The ocean's usually a little more difficult in, in these months. So, you know, th- think of people who are like really older people. I mean, I'm old, but think of really older people. Or think of mothers with children babies, infants, and have to go on that ferry, uh, not just for cancer patients, but any other patients, or even just for regular travel to go, uh, to, sh- to go shopping, to go see family, to go to the dentist, to go buy clothes, shoes, whatever, things that you can't do on Vieques. So uh, the cancer problem here in Vieques is exacerbated by other problems like the lack of medical attention and this poor transport system.
2: How about the mainstream media? Have they covered these kind of issues? What's the role of Radio Vieques in getting out information? Well like this?
3: obviously for Radio Vieques, these are the topics of our lives. This is you know this is this was the reason for being of Radio Vieques, to, to bring these issues up as well as to give again to allow kids, students, people from the community. We have a focus on children, women, older people, uh, uh, university students, uh, local musicians, um, but these topics of, you know, health and environment uh, uh, and economic development and maritime transport, these are the topics that get, you know, uh, constant attention here. The mainstream media are not so into this. You know, the mainstream media, the commercial media, you know, they were here a lot when, when the bombs were exploding. Well, There's always a possi- possibility of a violent, you know, reaction or death, you know, the the mainstream commercial media kind of like sharks in the water so they they go after the blood and you know with some exceptions there are some good people and good uh, good good media that's commercial and mainstream uh but generally radio viecas exists to be able to counter the sort of uh, uh, the lack of attention to these life and death
0: issues for people on viecas again that was roberto Rabin, founder and director of radio viecas And thanks to John Riley for his production and engineering work. And that wraps it up for this edition of Health Action.
3: listening to 90.7 kboo portland coming up next it's voices for the animals they welcome ralph nader to speak about his new book animal envy thanks kboo members for your generous support remember if you're not a member you can become one by going to kboo.fm and clicking on donate
2: kboo community radio is hiring for our youth of color production internship program this internship is open to people of color attending college and or under the age of 30. This is a six month internship for 20 hours a week for $20 an hour. Responsibilities include the selection and preparation of cable content for national distribution using a variety of digital audio workstations and helping to develop a digital content strategy for promotion of KABU content. Deadline to apply is Friday, January 27th at 5 p.m. More information, including skills and qualifications, can be found at kboo.fm slash productionintern2017. The more compassion we have towards animals, the more compassion we're gonna to have towards other people. You can value them all, you, you really value yourself as well.
1: So even if you don't care about animals, the, the
2: things we do that hurt animals end up hurting ourselves. It's almost kind of a dominion Type issue where we feel we need to control everything. Dominion means stewardship to take care of. What would a cow think about satisfying our habit? The challenge lies with looking at suffering from the perspective of the person or individual suffering.
0: Welcome to Voices for the Animals on KBOO Portland with your host, Courtney Scott. Today, we are honored to have Ralph Nader on the line to discuss his new book, Animal Envy, A Fable. Ralph Nader, of course, is famous for his work as a consumer advocate, author, and presidential candidate. And now, he is adding to his long list of achievements with this witty and incisive book that imagines a world where animals communicate with humans. Welcome to Voices for the Animals,
2: Ralph.
1: Thank you, Courtney, very much. Thank your listeners.
2: You know, the subject of this book is a departure from your other work. What inspired you to write it?
1: Well, it is a departure, and the fact that it's fiction but it's full of real, uh, natural science uh, fact uh, is, is my belief that we have to find new ways of communicating to people all over the Earth of all ages uh, about the uh, absolute mutual de- dependence between the animal kingdom